Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast is sponsored by the UPS Store Canada. Le podcasting, c'est nous. La bibliothèque, c'est moi. <rire> Bonjour, Ted. Bonjour, Terry. Ça va bien. Ah oh, oui, merci. Et vous? Ah uh, oui. J'ai toujours bien. Mais mon français est exhausté maintenant. C'est pas une catastrophe. <rire> c'est une vraie catastrophe. <rire> c'est pas bon. ma frappe. Moi, je parle. Très impressionné, là. Je parle français comme Joe Clark. Moi aussi. Good, good reference, Joe yeah, Clark. Yeah. <rire> Stick with us for more half-century-old political references. Hey, I'm Terry DeMonte. That's Ted Bird. Thanks for uh, coming to spend some time with us at the Pantelis Mike Ward Studios where we are doing another edition of the Standing By podcast with Poseidon at the helm as producer, Bill Brownstein as our special guest, and as always, with uh, a start, uh, with a big thank you uh, to our very good friends at the UPS Store Canada. They are our title sponsor. They're also our title sponsor. That's right. <laughs> thank you, Ted. Um, the UPS Store Canada. You've seen them in your neighborhood. Uh, everybody sees the UPS logo and you think of the brown trucks that come with Christmas presents or, you know, divorce papers. They never came to me. With oh, Christmas I'm sorry, Ted. Presents. They did bring the divorce papers. Okay, though. good. <laughs> but the UPS Store is a, um, a shop in your neighborhood. And yes, there's one in your neighborhood because there's over 370 locations across, country, across the country. And they're run by entrepreneurs just like you. If you run a business at home and you need some help with packaging, with shipping, with uh, getting something uh, that's fragile across the country, uh, if you need shredding services, if you want to open another mailbox so that your packages for your business can get there, they can do that for you too. If your passport's about to expire, they can help you with that. You're getting the idea. They can help you Get through your day, whether you run a business or you run a household. When Jess and I moved across the country, the leftovers that were in the house after the movers left um, were all handled by the UPS store. Again, run by an entrepreneur uh, who lives in your community and understands uh, what you're going through on a daily basis. And all you got to do to find the location near you is go to the upsstore.ca. They've got solutions for all kinds of businesses, and they can help you get uh, your cookies to Aunt Effie in Drumheller. There you go. Okay, there you go. Big thank you to the UPS Store Canada. Our guest today is the legendary columnist from the Montreal Gazette, Bill Brownstein, also longtime friend of ours. Hello, Bill. Salut, guys. Ça va bien. Yeah, ça va très bien, là. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> we, it's, it's, we, it's great to be with you. We guys. were just saying, um, I had dinner with Bill and uh, and some friends on on Tuesday night, and then this morning I was on the uh, the Corner Booth podcast with Leslie and Aaron Rand, Leslie Chesterman and Aaron Rand, which you'll find on the Gazette website, and then we had breakfast. So we've covered all the and topics. And then we drove to the traffic. Yeah, uh, then we drove to the traffic. Studio, so. yeah. to the traffic. It yeah. took us two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. So we've been here. talking for three hours. So we thanks got, for coming. Yeah, we, got nothing, we, we got nothing left. We you talked got, about everything yeah, that we were going to talk about talk in the podcast. About, but now we got nothing. So much has happened since yeah. Terry has returned. This is what I can't believe because we were also talking. Terry, myself, uh, Aaron Rand, and Mitsumi used to do something called the Gripes of the Round Table. And it's only fitting, although we haven't done this for three years because COVID came and then Terry went. And it's like nothing has changed. Terry comes back, traffic worse than ever, not just the cities, the orange cones everywhere, the highways are 
a disaster. And then, of course, making things more interesting are the linguistic kind of issues that only seem to spring up here every other week. And uh, now we have a, a number to call three. Is it three one one? It's three one one. I think it's twelve. Uh, uh. Oh, is that right? Twi- uh, <laughs> to prove, like, in fact, Terry still qualifies as a hysterical historical yes. Anglo okay. because he has a report card from nineteen seventy-eight. And, and I guess you do too in your own special way. Yeah, but but he, I was in New Brunswick. Yeah, so he, he yes, yeah. but. If you oh, but, dealt with the city, this is... Oh, a, that's right. This if is, you dealt with the city prior to uh, 2021 okay. in English, yeah. you can do so You again. are still allowed to speak oh, English right? to them. Oh, that's yes. good. That okay, was I, I th- very magnanimous. Yeah. You, you have to swear yeah. on a Boy Scout book of honor that mm-hmm. you are, in fact, uh, the person who says that. This, this is... Uh, I mean, this is not surprising. I, Ted and I talked about this on previous podcasts. You know, I, I was here when it started in 1976, and uh, it, it's never ended, it never is going to end, and it always gets worse. But this one is particularly ugly, don't you think? Yes. The, the nature and the tone of Bill 96 well, it's so is so heavy-handed. Degrading, so, yeah. you know, like insulting on a certain level. Yes, we're going to accommodate you if you're one of these five categories. Unless you live in a bilingual community, then you're allowed to get English services if you're officially bilingual. But the fact is that you're singled out in such a way as to say, okay, you belong to a group, we're giving you some kind of grandfather clause as long as you swear an oath of honor that you are who you say you are, you can go ahead. But to stigmatize uh, a population like that is kind of insulting, as it would be, by the way, for francophones in the rest of Canada. If they had to phone to a certain number to prove, well, I can get my services in French if I... I'm a bona fide uh, Franco. It's like when it's going to happen, like what Pizzagate happened. Like I, I way back when I wrote a story about a parrot that uh, spoke only yeah. English. Or, that 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 story that chased Peppermint Patty out. That's how she ended up in Alberta. <laughs> so I mean, then what happens is like the New York Times, the London Times, yeah. they pick up on stories like this, and then all of a sudden, uh oh, we don't want to be getting mad. Like the, the powers yeah. that be. Don't like it when they're mocked or and ridiculed. The, the fact that the the English community is always targeted, that put a chip on my shoulder back in 1977 because it forced my parents out. And I know people would say they weren't forced to leave, but economically they were forced to leave. My dad's boss was Jewish and said to the staff, we're leaving. If Levesque gets in, we're leaving. And he laid off 135 people and took 10 people with him to Ontario, set up shop there. So my parents moved. That means my my brother moved there and was raised there. My sister moved there. She's there. Her kids are there. Those people are never coming back. I graduated from what was called Pierrefonds Comprehensive High School in 1976. There is not one person from my graduating class that I knew and interacted with that's left in Quebec. And that's that's the that's the raison d'etre. They they would like us all to leave, but when I look at the history of Quebec and the history of my family and hundreds of thousands of other English families, it's not like we we were guests. We helped build the place. We're part of the DNA of the province, and that's slowly but surely being extinguished. And when Bill ninety six came out, and I read all about it from British Columbia, I said to my wife. Thank Christ we're not there anymore, because here we go again. Yeah. Well, the the irony of it all is that those Anglos who remained, I don't know an Anglo who isn't really functionally bilingual. The the myth of that blue-haired Anglo who went to Eton, that doesn't exist anymore. My kids went to school in French. They're French. They're they're fluent. I speak French. Like, I mean, my French is fluent. Ted speaks French. And he's from New Brunswick. <laughs> well, I dabble. But you, <laughs> yeah. your, your French has gotten very it's good. It's gotten a lot better, yeah. mainly because I don't listen to English radio yeah. anymore. Well, I listen to French radio because well, there's me. nothing left. Well, you listen to Arcan. I listen to Paul Arcan, but yeah. I listen mostly to the sports station, yeah. BMP Sport. But it, I don't know whether to be ashamed of this or how to feel about this. If you asked me, what's Bill 96? I live here, I'm in the media here, and I honestly don't know. This 311 business that you're talking about is news to me, yeah. and the reason is I don't pay attention well, to and, it and anymore. I think that's part of the, that's a, it's a good survival. Yes, it's a great survival uh, mechanism. Exactly, yeah. But as a result of not paying attention to it, I guess I'm not fighting for my rights. Well, 
No, but who is? But who it doesn't is affect I, at street level. It never affects me. No. It never affects well, me nor at me. street level. Yeah. But like the. Point being, you're right, it doesn't affect most of us. I mean, we live, we go on with our lives, and we have adapted. We are we didn't escape anywhere. We're happy living where we are because in spite of everything, Montreal, as uh, Terry would point out, is a very electric place. It's... The, the roads may be a shambles, the politics may be a shambles, but it's kind of fun on another sick level. To and be it's here. home. It's and home. It's home. I'm not from here, but it's, it's home it's to me can, now because I've been here for so long. Canada, exactly. Canada's most unique city. It, it absolutely it is. is. And yet, I mean, we are used in this wedge politics kind of game for the provincial government like dealing where they get all their support mostly from outside the city, they use that because the, the language is in danger, the culture is in danger. People who never have to worry about Anglos or Allos for the most part in the rest of the province, they play that game, divide and conquer, and uh, that's what gets some people elected a lot. Yeah. And it, it really is a tragedy because there's a lot of great stuff that goes on here. The city is thrives on many cultural levels. And without that, I mean, it's like any other major city like New York or London, where you've got a, an array of cultures and people get along, coexist. You, you have areas of the city where certain people live in certain cultures and, and people embrace that. And yet we would have some, some people would have us believe that that's contrary to the whole nature of life here, that we shouldn't be doing this, that the language is going to erode. And other, I go to France and there, I don't hear any of this stuff. And you come here, and you'd swear we were in war. But like you say, we're generally unaffected. Well, so it's just bizarre. We're surrounded by a sea of English, Bill. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't want to spend the, the the podcast talking strictly about politics and talk about the roads. Yeah. <laughs> one of the things I, I realize I've never asked you. I I don't know your your beginning story, Bill. Well, I'm glad you asked her. Yeah, like I always, I was I always a pod knew. from some far away. You know what? What's kind of interesting? You talk about <clears throat> my great grandparents came here in the late 1800s. You know, like mostly from Romania mm -hmm. and settled around the main, and uh, that's where my family all hailed from. And uh, this is our affinity to smoked meats. Yes, and, and the rest is as a result. But uh, lived here all my life, and uh, you know. And adapted, like, so when I hear stories, uh, you know, this is, uh, what, like, late 1800s, almost 200 years or yeah. whatever, yeah. family's been here. Part of the DNA of the province. Uh, yeah. But I, I only know you as, you know, I remember when we were, when Ted and I, you know, first started doing mornings together, you were the, you were the columnist in the Gazette. I always have known you as the columnist in the Gazette. What, what came before that? Nothing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, it's it's funny that you said it was never a desire of mine to actually be a writer. I wanted to be a, a singer really? up because singers get all the girls, I mean, <laughs> as you know, and then maybe radio. But I, like a growing up, I mean, I'd never, ever like Really? Eh? And I mean, I have English, I had English teachers up until several years ago, those who were still alive would come up to me and say, you're... Billy Brownstein, you're not Bill Brownstein. You're not the guy who writes in the paper. And I, yeah, you were just such a, not such a bad student, but such a disruptive student, such a joker, such a clown. That's impossible. Like, you're the only student we ever had. And I said, what happened? They paid me. <laughs> and I mean, and essentially, you know, to a certain extent, I made films so for a while. You know, I did a film on Bill Lee yeah. way back when. I did a couple of documentaries on hockey and and all the rest, but uh, I mean, it's just something I grew into. Never went like you, you guys. You never went to radio school. I never yep. went to journalism school. And you, and like, it's evident. <laughs> <laughs> like us, you were you were part of uh, uh, a media business that you were there in the in the heyday. I remember you going on trips to Los Angeles and covering stories outside the city when when there was money to do these kinds of <laughs> money. things. And and it. It was, was it entertainment right from the beginning? Uh, it was, and then like it kind of shifted over to where I'm just basically doing a city column that yeah. touches on like cultural life in the city, touches on everything from parking meters to, right. you, you know, God knows what, depending on, it, on the day. But yeah, and it just sort of shifted. But it's, uh, it's, it's all about the city on a certain level, even if it's entertainment. 
it relates to city life. And, uh, you know, I, and I like it that way because we have to really have to showcase our own because if we don't, nobody else will. We've right. talked about that before, like with local comedians. I have a soft spot, uh, you know, for all the locals who sh should be getting much more attention. The city is like awash with great Look, uh, Pantelis. Uh, yeah, people, we're just talking you, you to know, Pantelis. Be, be people who are here, like Mike, when he works in English, but, you know, the Joey Elias is, uh, I mean, and Sugar Sammy on a certain level, and David Ack, all these people, and we don't give them the support. It's an inordinate number of Anglo comedians who've come out of here and thrive. Of course, they like the insecurity can bring out the best in a comedian. And uh, we talk of the good old days when you guys had something called the Montreal Show at Just for Laughs, like amongst the most uh, desired, the most sold out shows the festival ever had. So popular, they're gone. And, <laughs> um, and, I, and I don't understand. And I, we, we, I, we have to support our own. Like yeah. otherwise, <laughs> nobody else I, will. I, I remember when they said to us and they said, you guys, boy, you've done great and we're not doing it anymore. I remember the I re last time we did do it, we got, you and I specifically got poor reviews in the newspaper the next day. Not in the English paper. Really? Yes. Yeah. Really? I, yeah, I don't remember who the writer was. I, it, I, I had to be one time because I wrote about you guys. It was yeah. Never, yeah, no, it definitely wasn't you, but it was like these two old, out-of-date radio oh, guys. Oh, I remember this. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and that well, was the well, end of the party well, right there. Well, that guy there. was summarily executed in God. Well... <laughs> You know what? It, I guess it just goes to show no, the times I, change, attitudes change, and we, you know, it, no. you become yesterday's news. And it was like I was saying on a previous podcast. My dad used to say, "Better to be a has been than it ever was." That's true. But that said, there there would still be a demand today if you came out with that show it would sell out in an in a yeah, heartbeat. Yeah, I I think maybe we weren't at the point because I think what happens is with a lot. I don't mean to compare us to other entertainers, but. With entertainers, you know, they have a, a really terrific run and then there's a bit of a downslide. And if you stay with it and you're in the business long enough, you become a beloved entertainer or a beloved newscaster. Like Don Rickles. Like Don Rickles, yeah. right? Don Rickles Perfect was, example. You, People yeah. loved him yeah. until yeah. the very end. And there was, Absolutely. There was um, what I didn't understand about that review, which I recall now, is I, I would remember that. I would say... Um, uh, I said this all the time. I would say almost every night we were on stage, I know you're not here to see us. I never did any stand-up. I hosted and welcomed people. Yeah. I did. Ted maybe I yeah, sucked. He, yeah. yeah, maybe he you were with yeah, that. I probably did. I probably, made, I probably made a couple of references that didn't fly with right. the woke crowd. And this was when the woke crowd yeah, was you're just still, coming you're still into... Now you're doing all these Legion... Uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah I, I do more stand-up now than I ever did. But, yeah. I've all, I, I, but I've learned my le some lessons along the way. Here's what I can do. Here's what <clears> you can't do. Like, I've just... Like all stand-up comedians, and I don't call myself a stand-up comedian, I dabble, but I've, well, you're funny. I've learned more and more, um, you know, how to do it, how to craft a joke, you know, what streets to go down, what streets to avoid. Yeah. Yeah, see, but that's what I love about comedies. The guys like Mike Ward, Sugar Sammy, Bill Burr, people who don't give a crap. People who will do, they don't care. But it's you, not only not giving a crap, it's knowing, it's crafting, funny it's at crafting the, the material yes. in such a way that you can go to that place where nobody dares to go and you just make it so funny and so clever and so interesting or and make it have a point, make a point with it. And those guys are so good at crafting they, it that they, way. They leave you, they're smiling while they're dissing, yeah. they're doing stuff. They have a great, great technique, these guys, but... I respect these people because they couldn't get like if if you had to live on college campuses in the states, forget it. You have to yeah. do, you have to be more sanitized than Seinfeld these days. Yeah, well, to get some a gig. some of the all time greats won't even go to college no, campuses they, they anymore. I think like Seinfeld and Chris Rock yeah. to name a couple. And I, Seinfeld doesn't do anything like yeah. I mean, what would yeah, he do? Yeah, yeah, his his stuff is pretty. Yeah. Uh, I, it's I, funny, but it but it's quite vanilla in terms of he absolutely, never. Yeah. Uh, he's never inappropriate. I hate the. Yeah, I hate this, the notion of you've been around too long and washed up. If you've been around too long and you're not doing the work, that's one thing. But um, I've experienced in the last 10 years especially um, a warmth and a kindness from Montrealers who spent years listening to us 
It happened this morning. Yeah. We were, uh, we went into a shop. We went into uh, Literacits where I get my glasses. I live in BC and I still get my, my glasses <laughs> from Literacits on Queen Mary. And As the bird flies, it's faster yeah, than going from Griffin Town. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, we were chatting with Imre, and he was talking to a customer in there who said, please, can I, would you take a picture? My wife and I loved you guys so much, blah, 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 blah. And it, it, that's two years after I've been off the radio, and there's a... Um, I don't. I don't know what it. You know, there's a. There's just a kindness from people when you've been around for a while. Well, we're, we're very loyal to our. Those of us who lived here all their or most of our lives, our working lives, and all the rest. We are very loyal because we don't have that many community leaders. We right. really don't. Right. Who, who are our spokespeople any longer? I mean, you know, in the old days, I mean, you, you know, you had the Richlers or the Nick Oftemars or you had people like that. Who do we have today? And I mean, you guys, like on radio. I mean, it's just. We're very low because there's so few of us who are around still that we like we latch on because someone has to like talk to us and be our spokespeople and make us feel good about our lives here. I I kind of miss that. Like when we were talking about it on Tuesday night, I I kind of miss uh, being part of the hoi polloi or whatever it is you want to call it. You know, there was you know I I said like in your and you were part of it, Bill. In in the the days. Uh, when I was just getting out of CJEP, there was George Balkin and Gord Sinclair and Ted Blackman I was younger. and Jack Finnegan and you know and yeah. Bill 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 was very good friends with George Balkin, who was like iconic, a huge huge you know leader and voice in the city, and those kinds of days, those kinds of eras with those kinds of people, where Ted Blackman is painting the green line on St. Catherine Street because the city wouldn't do it for the St. Patty's Day Parade. And Nick Oftemar's drinking it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those, uh, yeah. That's gone now. Yeah, totally That's gone. gone now. It's totally gone. And that's why I'm saying, so it's not a shock to me that when I'm with you and people come up to, of course, we have very few people like left who yeah. remind us of right. the days where it was okay to be who we were. I mean, we weren't, uh, you know, we were not disturbing other people we no. weren't getting in the way of like linguistic battle we were just doing no and and yet the people that i worked for made me feel washed up and and it took me it took me a few months a year to get over that well then you should know that there's a problem that doesn't exist on your end okay yeah that was a miscalculation on their part yeah and and i still don't understand that why like we've talked about this several times why wouldn't people understand like from an advertising point of view alone, from a, in terms of a local, like local legend point of view alone, it's good for their business to have people who are known in the city. You know, this kind of philosophy might work in other cities in Canada where you can run the same kind of music and the same sort of personalities, uh, not contingent to having lived in this city, not being part of the city. But Montreal is very different. The Anglos who are here are unique. I mean, they don't belong to Ontario. They don't belong to anywhere else. They belong to the city, and they've made their mark on this city. And I would think just in terms of popularity, in terms of advertising and everything, you'd want to keep these people around. You would think. But the decision was made outside of Montreal. Yeah, the, the decision yeah. on Terry yes. was made by someone who doesn't know about Montreal. No, and it, the people immediately under him who do know about Montreal are too scared for their own jobs true. to say anything. And the support of the podcast, you know, from the amount of people that are uh, looking in on the podcast or downloading it, mm -hmm. and the support we have for sponsors... Yeah. I think speaks to the fact that some people are still interested in having to hear yep. what we have to say. Mm -hmm. Well, you wouldn't be doing this, would you? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Bill, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't be getting advertisers That's coming right. in. Let's, um, I, I want to hear some celebrity stories. Okay. Okay? Because you've had no, like, so many encounters with uh, movie stars and musicians and, you know, is, when, I, when I bring up this topic, is there one that comes right to mind? Well, I think it's the comedians I've always liked the best because mm -hmm. they do a balancing act. They're walking like on a tightrope every day. And it's got to, you have to be, it's got to be the most insecure of all businesses because you're washed up at a certain age. They don't care. I mean, we talked before. I, I have friends in the business who have been around for years and years and doesn't matter because of their ages, they're gone. They don't like, they're not part of the flow. 
But uh, these are people who live by their wits. You see, like if you're a good actor, I mean, you've got you've got a lot of people. You've got agents. You've got managers. You've got, you've got writers. You got writers yeah. and everybody else to help you through. If you're a singer, it's the same thing. If you're good, you're good. And I mean, uh, not to take away from a lot of these people. But I've always most been impressed by the comedians I've met because they're one-man shows. They write all their own material. They're on the road. They have to face, like, all sorts of crowds. Like, I'm in awe of people like Sugar Sammy, like Mike Ward, who are able to play it on their own terms. And, by the way, two of the sweetest people I have ever yeah, met absolutely. in the business. Not because we're in a studio, but, like, two of the, like the nicest people going yeah. and who understand the business but also understand and they work both languages they understand where they're from where they are and yet they don't hold back their comedy is terrific because they don't care they're successful enough that it doesn't matter what if a reviewer says this a person in the crowd says that that's always impressed me you know actors are actors i've met like a yeah. lot of actors. Yeah, and, I know you have. You know, I met Robert De Niro before meeting him, and I said, oh, man, this is going to be interesting. And he's basically, a sh he's not a large guy, uh, and he's basically a shell of himself. Off camera, he's not the raging bull. He's you very know, shy. Eh? Very, very shy. And, like, they come alive when they have a script in front of them. The only, I mean, then I've met people like uh, Al Pacino and Dustin Hoffman, who are just like, you know, you know, Dustin Hoffman talking to him, a fork falls at a table like, you know, 100 feet away, and he's like jumping <laughs> up in his seat, you know, and uh, and like Al Pacino, uh, not that he wants to get noticed, but wears hats like that are 10 feet high or something. You know, like they thrive on another kind of attention, just adoration. They say they don't like paparazzi and all the rest of crap. Yeah. They yeah, yeah. love it when, you know, and, and like a, one of the most interesting people I ever met was Jane Fonda, who didn't have to care because she she looked great, was smart, was funny. A, a lot of them, I mean, are terrified to say anything because if you, especially this day and age, because he goes on social media and they're done. You, you know, like you can't you can't speak truth to power anymore right. at all. And those who can, like, unless you're on Saturday Night Live, unless you're, you know, like a, a Colbert or someone like that or a Jimmy Kimmel, the rest are terrified yeah. because, uh, you know, in the <coughs> States, it's like, it's murder out there if you don't follow the line, you know? I don't find that those guys who you just mentioned, they don't speak truth to power anymore. They're no. part of the power. They're yeah. part of the establishment. They are part of it, but I'm just saying those are the only people who are in And by the way, I, I'm not saying in real life that they're gems to speak to either, mm -hmm. but the point being that they, they come across as very outspoken or Seth Meyers or someone, you know, like they're, they're interesting but they've also got a team of a hundred writers and producers behind them and all the rest, which is to go back to the like the, the stand-ups who don't have any of that, who like go like put their lives out on stage. Uh, I mean, there was Brian Reagan, he's a comedian. Yeah, and yeah. I, rem I remember seeing him do a set at Teatro and Denis during the Just for Last Festival, and um, he had some good material, but the crowd didn't respond. And like he kept on repeating it, which is the worst thing you could yeah, do. Yeah. And then they get so enraged because their whole life is on the line. Uh, and I've seen this happen a few times with stand-ups that people don't respond and they turn on the crowd yeah. because their whole like their life is the worst thing you can do. Of course. And Brian Regan is a, is a uh, veteran polished uh, comedian. I'm exactly, surprised yeah, to hear this that. Was, this was early in his career, but okay. I'm saying like, it's it is the worst thing you can do, but there is so much insecurity involved. Yeah. You feel like your whole career can be over, and this is at a big you know showcase with Jess for laughs. Please tell me, I have to do this for Jess. Uh, please tell me Jane Fonda was nice. Very nice. Okay, like, and yeah, my my wife is a huge Jane Fonda fan. One of the nicest, nice, and most sincere. And um, Dustin Hoffman for just for me. Is he intense as I think he is? More. Really? <laughs> this, was, this was the guy who, like, jumped up 20 feet in the air when yeah. a fork dropped, yeah. like, 20, like, yeah. yeah. No, it's, like, totally intense. But, you know, that's a the acting school they, right. grow, they, grow, right. they grow up and they over overreact. But even that's better than getting the other, the blandness that you get. Most, they're actors. You give them a script, they come alive. You don't give them a script, they're very, very, you know. So, and they're not going to tell you no. anything anyway. Here's a, here's a question I'm curious about. What's the longest you have or would wait for a star? 
So if you're, if there, you know, there's an itinerary and yes, Mrs. So-and-so will meet you at 2 PM at the Flungen hotel. And, uh, you get there at, you know, quarter to right. two and two o'clock comes and two fifteen comes and two thirty comes and you know, it's that, what, what did you ever get up and go fuck this and leave? Yes. <laughs> because right. uh, you know what? I'm not enamored. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, these people actually need you. If they're talking to yes. you, why? Because they're selling something. Gotcha. They're okay. selling a TV show. They're sell not so much with singers, like, but with actors. Yeah. Like, they're pushing a movie. They're yeah. pushing a TV show. They need you more than you need them on a certain level. They're not going to tell you anything, anyways. They're going to be nice, play nice, and all the rest. Um, not that interesting, and uh, and who cares? Because like, you know, they're prim like you don't play into their prima right. donna ness. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know. Did you spend any time at all with local? You know, they're now they're icons now. Maybe Mordecai less so than um, Leonard Cohen. But did you spend time with people like that? That more more Leonard wasn't around that often. No, that's he true. He was in yeah. like you know going LA on his mountaintop yeah. or like in Greece or whatever. Very quiet. Yeah. Uh, and Mordecai, interestingly enough, was the kind of guy, and you met him too. Yeah. We we'd see him, and the worst thing you could do was compliment him on a book <laughs> or something. Say, oh, I really love Solomon Gursi, or I love yeah. you know, and talk to him about the Canadians. It was yeah. unbelievable. But uh, very curmudgeonly, didn't. Yeah, very, he was pretty. Is it because he didn't know how to take a compliment? I think he knew how to take a call, yeah. but I just... Why didn't he, he want to hear it then? He was that no, curmudgeon he just, author. He just yeah. didn't he was want to talk about it. He, he, he didn't want to talk about him. He didn't want to... He wanted to talk about the Canadians. There you go. It was yeah, kind yeah. of interesting. But the interesting thing about Mordecai, when he became ill, he became a lot different. He, he, got, he became nicer. Very, very yeah. warm. Yeah. Like my wife, who had never met him previously, only met like towards the end of his... like, And like... Couldn't have found him more charming. Of course, he loved women, but couldn't have found him more charming, more yeah. delightful, and like, and and she tell that to other people. Like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he was a complex guy. Grew up in a complex neighborhood, and he had a very complex. Unlike all the other people we talked about, had a very complex relationship with the powers that be here. Because right. you recall that in the New Yorker, he wrote these like searing stories yeah. about life in. Uh, Quebec and Montreal. Yeah, well, he railed against the yeah. language laws. I mean, and he, he never compromised in no. terms of what, like, fitting into the province. But, what, you know, when I look back at it, like, you know, there was a time where the gang from the radio station were at Ziggy's, you know, every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> and we'd go in, and, you know, I realize now I look back and... You know, Nick Oftemar would be sitting with a Supreme Court justice from Chicago, right. you know, and Mordecai Richler was one of Canada's foremost authors, world right. famous authors. And there he sat. And I think that was, I'm, I'm sorry that that was lost on me because it was kind of a special era. Yes, it was, and and he didn't want that kind of attention. The sad thing came when they wanted a memorial. I mean, let's face it, one of the greatest authors ever, not just Montreal, but the yeah. country, North yes. America, fabulous writer and all the rest, and yet when they wanted to pay some sort of homage, do you remember, like, that, like and they, they ended up with that ridiculous gazebo on the mountain, <laughs> which was home to a lot of bird shit, mostly, and... Uh, great fodder know, for gripes. Yeah, yeah. great fodder for gripes. But, you know, and it was sad. Because it took so much politicking even to get that yeah. done, and then finally they uh, a library was able to carry. But you know, we, like we're so ultra sensitive to yeah. any kind of criticism here, especially from an Anglo. Yeah. And um, well, I, I I said to somebody the other day, English people, you know, if it ever happens anymore, I think I was saying it to a Stuart. Uh, uh, Sterling. Sterling. <laughs> you Sterling. Put that in my, I put that in you your head. You put that yeah. in my head yeah. to, to uh, Sterling. We were, I was saying if Anglophones, you know, if they want to anger or, or honor, if, you know, that happens, I don't know, once every 10 years they want to honor an Anglophone, it's a stupid little park or a back lane that you can pee in. Right, Nick's, Nick's, yeah. exactly. The first you know, thing I, I think except of. that Nick would see the poetry <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah, him yeah, having yeah, that alley yeah, where yeah. he did pee in. <laughs> Big time. Take his, like he would, he, he would find that very, very interesting. Do you think things are, are, uh, were more corrupt back then, Bill, in terms of the politics of the city? Or do you think it's just as corrupt now? I'm a big believer that, you know, there's certainly... 
you know, the Olympics were a wash in in uh, in corruption yeah. expo, all of that. And you know, I credit Drapo for putting it together and putting us on the map and bop 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 bop. But we never seem to get past that, right. and and we're paying the price for it today. Yes, all of these things are falling down because well, of all the. Corruption and shoddy workmanship well, that went on. Well, just give you an example. When you see Pine Avenue being repaired for the 15th yeah, consecutive you. time, like over and over again. What's the deal? Or you go around uh, the uh, water reservoir on McGregor there, uh, whatever it's called now, and um, and basically, like, a, you know, as, uh, like every day there's something going on, but they're, they're redoing the same spots. Well, the Saint pine Laurent, thing I don't understand. The, the pine thing, none of it I understand. But, you know, like my joke is that uh, basically uh, with the reservoir where it's always under construction is that they found the Temple of Doom, Harrison Ford, and <laughs> they're digging like for some for some sort of gold treasure somewhere. I don't get it. It's just, So when you say is it is corrupt, yeah. like something is going on there when we're redoing sidewalks, the yeah. same sidewalks sidewalks over again when we're redoing all the infrastructure stuff yeah. over and over again and it might not be as like glamorous as like olympic stadium right. corruption but right. there's something happening here yeah, somewhere it's weird because in some in some corners of town you walk on sidewalks that haven't been touched since i was in grade two <laughs> and then there are other ones that are constantly constantly getting uh paved over and over again we're gonna take a moment to uh, uh pay a tribute to uh, one of our supporters and I'm going to start by talking about my friends at Matla Bonheur. Um, we uh, always say on the podcast, we love to deal with a family business. The, the gang at Matla Bonheur are a family-run business. I met Norm many years ago and said, how did you get involved in selling mattresses? Because if you go to a Matla Bonheur store, you, you see that they only deal in a good night's sleep, meaning the stores just have mattresses and futons, uh, linens and pillows and everything that uh, has to do with a good night's sleep. And Norm, that was his passion. That's what he liked to do. He started by delivering mattresses out of a pickup truck and then opened the original store on Gwen Boulevard in Saint-Genevieve. And now they are one of the biggest in Quebec. They're Quebec-owned, Quebec-run, family-run. They deal with mostly Canadian suppliers. They have stores all over the area, on and off the island of Montreal. When you go... You'll see what I'm talking about uh, when it comes to a shopping experience. You'll be warmly greeted. You won't be pressured. And you will come away with a mattress that fits your budget and will change the way you sleep. Just do yourself a favor. If you're in the market for a mattress, a new mattress, I know there's lots of places to buy one. But at least get into one of their locations. Find the one closest to you at matlabonheur.ca. Bill, how did you enjoy the ride to the studio in the uh, Jaguar Uber? I loved it. <laughs> Isn't that nice? <laughs> yeah. Jaguar Land Rover Laval is another one of our sponsors, and whenever Terry comes to town to do the podcast... They spoil us. They spoil us. They give us a courtesy vehicle. It's the uh, XF30T uh, sedan this time around with the uh, inline, inline four-cylinder, a car that size with a four-cylinder engine, but it's turbocharged. So it's got all the giddy-up that you'd want. Jaguar has the XF, the F-Type, which is the coupe, the sports coupe. We had one of those last year. That was fun. Vroom, vroom. And various uh, models of SUVs. Jaguar has SUVs now. Everybody has SUVs yes. now, including Jaguar. The F-Pace, the I-Pace, and the E-Pace, their electric vehicle. There's also the Defender, the Discovery, and the Range Rover, on their uh, Land Rover side. And they're also, Nino and Renato DiCubellis are the owners of McLaren, Montreal. And they have uh, a beautiful showroom up on Chamity Boulevard in Laval. Terry and I were up there recently for their open house and saw some spectacular vehicles. I don't think the Artura was there. That's the electric McLaren. If you want to ever sneak up on somebody at 300 kilometers an hour, <laughs> this is the car for you. The Artura is a plug-in hybrid that maintains McLaren's known incredible speed. Zero to 60 in three, count them, three seconds. One, two, three. You're at 60. And where does that take you in this city? <laughs> uh, not far. <laughs> it's a beautiful vehicle, and the only McLaren, it says here, that you can drive home at 2 a.m. and not wake up the whole neighborhood. <laughs> I think the rest of them have a bit of an exhaust note. A little bit. Yeah, but a beautiful, beautiful exhaust note. 
JaguarLaval.com, LandRoverLaval.com, and McLarenMontreal.ca. I believe we thank them for their support and for the snazzy sedan to uh, Ferry Terry and Bill around town in. Bill, um, is the REM going to make a difference, and how is it going to change the city? Well, apparently the noise factor. Is yeah, apparently it's loud. <laughs> it's very, very. It's so funny. As soon as this thing is ready to go, yeah. I'm hearing from people who live close by that yeah. the noise level is yeah. like. Well, well you should, what makes what you is, shouldn't is it, live in Griffintown. That'll teach you. Is it the, the clatter that's going to make the noise? It's, just, it's, just, it's like a sonic boom, apparently. Yeah, really? So well, people it, aren't used to it because, because they're not run by diesel engines. No, no, no. Or no, they, no but no, if no. I was exposed to it, and this goes a lot, by the way, during the day. What is it's LRT. Right. I was exposed to that in Calgary, and there's a SkyTrain in Vancouver. We don't live near either one of them, but, I mean, they make a little bit of noise. If you live near public transit, you know, you make a little noise. The complaints I hear is people think it's a great idea and all the rest, but in order like, to get to the stations in the West Island, for example, you have to take a car and park it. But there apparently not no there, many, there is no parking to be had at all the stations. Well, what are they thinking there? Well, they, well they, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is what they're thinking. And apparently and then like then you end up having to take a car and a bus. Yeah. To to then it defeats the whole purpose and this but that's what happens there, there's not long-term thinking. There's like no vision. We, there there's no plan from what I hear. And I I'm sure it's going to be a lovely thing and help a lot of people like who are moving from the South Shore, West Island, whatever. But yet if they don't plan for, like, auxiliary transport, like, to right. get there. Well, I, in every city, like in Calgary, the LRT is magnificent, but it comes with a parking lot. Right. So you can well, drive exactly, to the train. Yeah. If you live way in the north end of Calgary, where right. I live, you can drive to the train, park your car, and get on the train. Right. Like, when my dad took the train from Roxborough to Central Station, you could park next to the Woolworths. Right. On Gwen Boulevard, you parked in the morning, you got on the train, you came back in the afternoon and drove right. home. Right. I mean, that's 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 the way it's supposed to work, isn't it? Theoretically. Okay. Do your imitation of the LRT again. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> no, but apparently, like people living in Little yeah, Bur- yeah. like uh, St. Henry, like they, they yeah. said, the noise is like beyond. Yeah. Well, it's worse than having a, an airplane going Is it over. already running there? Well, practice runs. Oh, okay. Have you, you ever... <laughs> You ever, you ever been to Chicago near the LRT yeah, yeah, stand yeah, under yeah. the LRT? <laughs> the subway that's not a subway, the elevated yeah, subway. Right. The yeah, L, yeah, yeah, yeah. The exactly. L. Isn't there? There are a number of famous scenes in My Cousin yes. Vinny. Yes. Where, <laughs> Where Joe Pesci has a has a cheap hotel room right beside the L. Yes, exactly. I thought you yeah. said the train yeah. doesn't come by here. <laughs> and so, um, do you think it's gonna? Because what's happening? Like I noticed, because it's my old neighborhood. It's where I grew up. Down by Fairview. Let's get rid of all of most of the parking lots so we can put up apartment buildings so people can live next to the REM. And I would imagine that's going to happen all, all along the line where they can put up more density and high tower condos and whatever, which is the new, seems to be the new hobby in Montreal. It's see how, how fast we can get a black gray box up onto a street. I, I think it's, it's going to change the nature of the town. It will, but like for the life of me, I can't. You know, when we complain about the roads and construction and all the rest, the city is responsible for maybe thirty percent. The fact that they give permits to all these people to build condos, right. uh, like that's crazy. You like the 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 mess that is made. I don't even understand the demand yeah. for con- how many condos can a city have. I mean, there's got to be not sure. a limit, a roof to all yeah. of this. I don't get it. I'm not sure. Have I have I told you how much I enjoyed my experience in Griffintown? Yes. <laughs> I remember it well. Well, you're lucky you're not there now because they could, I, first of all, you'll never you like couldn't get out of your front door if you did yeah, find parking. I would have, you would get anywhere. Yeah. No. Bill, what neighborhood did you grow up in? I grew up in several neighborhoods. I'm uh, glad you asked. I started okay. off at, like the. In the Mainish area, then went to Outremont, then went to um, 
Where to go? Westbound, then I went to NDG, then I went to outside the city, Beloy. Oh, Beloy. What were you doing in Beloy? I don't know. You must did, have been the entire Jewish community, <laughs> were you? The entire Anglo community. <laughs> uh, did, did you live there? Were you there when it was Belial? <laughs> but, but Belial, yeah. Gumpersley that, lived there what, then. Yeah, that's what English people used to call it. Yeah, the reason I ask is, is the Jewish community in Montreal is so integral to this city's History and Terry was talking about. A lot of about, it's dissipated, though. Well, this is what I. Well, this is where I was going to go. Terry was talking about everyone he went to high school with moved away. Uh, has that been your experience with the uh, with your friends in the Jewish community well, as well, or enough, your generation? Like, like when I went to school, like I was never living in very predominantly Jewish areas. Okay. So, I mean, friends from school or whatever were from all walks, but yes, I mean, they most. Most left a lot stayed. Mm -hmm. uh, like my kids, their generation, like many, like my like relatives who have kids, they're, they're all gone elsewhere. Your kids are gone, aren't they? No, well, my kids are all here. Oh, they are gone. Yeah, yeah. They, oh. yeah. What well, about your Hollywood son? He came back. Oh, he He's came working back? on wow. films here. Wow, neat. And uh, yeah, no, That's he, cool. but he just, they love the city. Yeah. But the, the, they're atypical because most of the people they went to school with have, have long since <laughs> yeah. moved on. And like family and friends who have kids are all in Toronto or, or other places. So I'm very fortunate as far as that's concerned. But uh, I, I think that a lot of people, like, I mean, you know, there's certain areas of the city more like, you know, Laval or Cote St. Luke or Outremont, more associated with, like, you know, a lot of Jewish population, uh, you know, except for the Orthodox Jews who are still there. Right. They moved on. Well, um, I, I mean, the population I, I, is well, that, dwindled. That's, that's a shame it because is the, it's, it's part of what I love about Montreal. Yeah. I didn't experience any of that growing up in Fredericton. <coughs> there, were some, uh, there was a, a very tiny Jewish community in Fredericton, but moving to Montreal, I really got to learn about Jewish culture. I had Holocaust survivors as landlords in uh, NDG. Fascinating, wonderful, lovely people. And and the stories that they told and and just it was just I had such deep abiding respect for them and it was really uh it was a real uh, it was a privilege to to know them. Yeah, I'd say most of the Jewish population, it's a senior Jewish population yeah. who just never left because it's not worth it. I mean, you've spent all your life here, you're not going to move at 80. Yeah. Cuz I, I I've always believed, and I, I still believe this, after 1976, there would not have been an English community if it wasn't for the Jewish community, because in 76, 77, in the early days of the pressure from the government with language laws and whatnot, the Jewish community were like, we're not going anywhere. We, we've been chased around enough, we're <laughs> not going anywhere. Yes. And they stayed, and they fought, and they pushed back. And they sent their kids, you know, when they you couldn't send your kids to, to this school, they would send their kids to private school. And, and they, you know, they built things and, and were such a big part of what made Montreal, Montreal. It'll be sad if what you're saying is true. Well, the though. landscape's changing. Like a lot of, in my, like my family's, a lot of intermarriage. So it's right. like, it isn't the same as, right. a, as a, like monolithic kind of culture. But it's funny you mentioned that because I did this book, Schwartz, as you know, and then it was turned into a musical. One of the big songs there was like, I mean, about like Jewish migration from like being booted out of every country in Eastern yeah. Europe uh, and then coming here and like being thrown out of here, thrown out of there. And you finally find a place, uh, you know, like around the main, which is how it all got established, huge Jewish population, yep. which settled there. And, uh, but sadly that's all, but it's changed for everybody. The whole yeah. cultural community you know, around the main, it was like Italian, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, Jewish. It, it's not the same as well, what it was. The, the building that we're in on Chabanel, this whole community was it used built. To be a schmutter. It was yeah. a whole yeah. schmutter business from end to end. Yeah. yeah. You know, largely owned by uh, Montreal Jewish families. So Mike Ward is saving the community. That's yeah. <laughs> and he'll give you a pajamas at wholesale prices out the back door. You want to do the tweet sheet? Yes, I do. I've I curated think. a tweet sheet for Bill. Tell, oh, tell, dear. Okay. Tell, tell uh, Bill about the tweet sheet, Ted. Well, every day on my morning show on Light 106.7, Bill, I'll find three uh, funny things I think are funny on Twitter. and uh, Oh, you think you are funny. Think, yeah, <laughs> right. Does and, everybody uh, agree? Uh, not necessarily. We read them on the air and we call it the tweet sheet. And, of course, Twitter being Twitter, 
I find ones that I can't read on the radio right. because uh, they're a little too salty. So I saved them for the podcast. And I found three that made me think of you. I thought Bill will appreciate these because he's a writer. And I don't. I, I know one of them is is uh, salty. I don't know if the other two are, but but I picked them because. Uh, because I think that you will appreciate them as a writer. There are a lot of uh, good writers and real wits on Twitter. Twitter can be a real garbage can, but that's not it. That's uh, one of the ones for uh, for the last episode with uh, with Terry. Nobody look at the screen. I'm Nobody not look at the screen. I'm not. <laughs> Sorry, I should have given feel, you. I yeah, should have given on. you a heads up on this. I feel like we're in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. <laughs> Don't I, look, Marion. Don't look. <laughs> I should have given Bill, or I should have given Poseidon uh, uh, more of a heads up on this. Um, I did the email those to you, though, Poseidon. I think with uh, with Bill's name on. Poseidon it. is our producer, by the way. That's right. And quite on. an adventurer. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yes He's he also is. the Greek god of the sea. Yes, as you may, right. Yes, may I not know. Yeah. Big, of the ponds, forks, actually. The big, uh, didn't Poseidon have those like? Uh, uh, nobody look. Just not uh, looking. I wanna, no, I wanna, that's I not it either. Okay. No. Yeah. No. No. None of them? None of them, no. No way. Okay, well, talk, talk some more, and I'm going to find them in my email and send them from, to uh, it's from Poseidon. The, it's from the email. That says that has Bill's name on it? Yeah. We're keeping you, eh, Bill? It's okay. I know. We're, oh, uh, no, I sent you another one saying scratch the out. previous one. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, That's, that's why. One yeah. of the joys of the podcast is none of, it, oh, none of that shit matters. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right? We can talk while they're talking. There's yeah, no, yeah. no boss outside the yeah. door going, you're going too you're long. You're talking too long. You're talking too much. There's none of that. The we have to play Kisses Rock and Roll all night again. Nobody look again. Can I play you Black Betty, Ted? Yeah. Those are the ones? Those are the ones, yeah. yeah. Oh. That's the last one. I want to use that okay. one last. Right. Uh, uh, this one's last. That one's last, yeah. Hold on. Let me just see that nobody can see this. Yeah. Nobody can see this. Good. Okay. And uh, the other two, it doesn't matter which order. We can start with this one if you okay. want. <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, that okay. one's last. That one's right. last. Yeah. Perfect. All right. All right. I would like to apologize. No That's worries. Okay. No, it was my Please. fault. It was Please. my fault. I should have been clear. More no, no, clear it was with my you. fault. Yeah. This one is from <laughs> at six, two, and even. I saw three ravens yesterday and fell into an Elizabethan despair, so I immediately put on my trusty codpiece, wrote 100 sonnets, and began wooing several maidens by the light of a beeswax candle. That's beautiful. Isn't that great? That's, that, that's Shakespearean. Yeah, it, it is. It really is. You, you could look at them yeah, on the screen as now. they pop up. Elizabethan I, despair. Isn't that How nice? That? I, I really incredible. like this person's name, Aldante. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. almost as good as Poseidon. Yeah. <laughs> the light of a beeswax well, well, that's, candle. That's like beautifully crafted. Isn't that nice? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so is this one as well from at GN Doe. Can one of you millennials make my phone ring sound like a Tennessee farmhouse screen door closing on a languid August afternoon? Ice cubes <laughs> clinking in a pitcher of sweet tea as a cigar box banjo gets tuned? <laughs> This is like Isn't that great? This is this is art. It really oh. is. And you know That's what? Fabulous literature. I love oh it because I can God. hear it in my head. Yes. <laughs> but like I mean you have an image there. It's like both of yes. those things are so rich. Like rich you, imagery. You know, oh, like yeah. beautiful. All right. This is Twitter? It is, yeah. Well, the next one is more Twittery, probably. Okay. Twittery. Yeah. I like that. From at Eddie Ferraro, publisher, would you consider using a pseudonym, Edgar Allan Ponyfucker? <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, that's Twitter. <laughs> that's Isn't that great? <laughs> that's great. Way back oh, when, I'll, oh, God. I'll give you an aside here. Somebody, I don't know who, I think I was there, asked Leonard Cohen if he ever considered changing his name. Said yes. And they said to what? Thursday cone. <laughs> True story. That's terrific. Yeah. Uh, Bill, let me ask you. You, you mentioned uh, before we turned the mics on uh, that you've, you're you're done with social media. Eh? You yeah, can't I mean, be bothered. Yeah, yeah. It's just like fake. Fuck that. Isn't it a tool for uh, for what yeah, you do though? Yeah, Bill? but there are a lot of tools running yeah, the show. But this they're, one they're, is not. A, this. <laughs> You don't Are consider you social media to be essential no, in 2023? No, but like when Elon Musk got involved and it, this whole this gamesmanship that goes on. And so you're it, out on principle? Is that what well, you're saying? To the point, they I've never been, I wasn't badly trolled. I must say, never had bad experiences. But I hear about so many people who are just 
bullied and trolled yeah. and kids and uh, and uh, you know life is way too short to get the you know, and too many people like who don't do anything else in life, yeah, uh, yeah. like are are, are on Twitter all the time, and like all of a sudden they've got like this pulpit, and like who are these people? And like it, it's like their opinions, their messages matter as much as well. Okay, the person who crafted those beautiful Edgar Allan Pony fucker, uh, exactly. <laughs> you know, and then it, it, it gets to a point where you know everybody's got like is a windbag, and everybody's yeah. got something to say. Yeah. And I like the silence. I like the, mm -hmm. the images conveyed by both the, the first two tweets. Right? Yes, yeah. Where there's a certain silence and there's... A, like, where, where do you get that kind a of rich A calm and a imagery? serenity. You don't get that kind of rich imagery for the most part on Twitter. Not on Twitter you or, don't, no. No, you don't. No. And, you know, like, it, like you, you have a feeling it elicits something quiet and romantic and peaceful and all the rest and... You get just wars going on. When you yeah. said tools were running in the show, I thought you were referring to the corporations. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and, and and I don't know. It is like it's all these po these people like who just you don't know, want to assert like their nastiness, their power on a certain level. And who cares? What is a favorite thing about Montreal that you would miss, Bill, if you did what I did and moved away? I think like you it would be the restaurant scene, the, yeah. the like the bars that we like, the people we know. And, but basically, it's alive with the, like food. It really is. I mean, there's Boys so many ever. great places to go to. Yeah. You saw that list: a hundred best restaurants in Canada. Thirty-four were from Quebec. Twenty-seven from Montreal. Yeah, and just it's a great scene. There's nothing like this that exists anywhere nope. else in the country. And uh, I would miss that, and you, you miss your friends. I mean, you yeah. miss the fact that you. I miss you, like Thank not, you. you yeah. know, not being here. Like Ted's still here, but the fact is that it's nice that there. You know, that's why, like, you know, the Sugar Sammies, the Mikes, yeah. and all the rest. It's very heartwarming that these people are still here because you. It's very unique in its own way, even though we are a subculture of a subculture of a subculture at a right. certain point. We are, this is our community and this is our life. I don't know any other life. I've been offered jobs. You have, everybody yeah. has like in Toronto and other places. I can I never haven't. be. <laughs> I'm sure you have. But the, the point is, is that you couldn't give this up. There's, no. there's, as much as we bitch and gripe about the place, there's a lot to love also. Yeah, it's one of the things, you, you know, that I've learned since leaving. There's, there's, a, there's a real um, comfort in home because this is this is where this we're from this is where we come from this well you is know what, what? We this knew. is not where i come yeah, from but i can't go anywhere else no. this is it for me yeah i'm not going anywhere no well, yeah. they won't let you back that's true yeah, yeah. and also while well, my kids are here three yeah. of the four are here, yeah. So, yeah. no two of the four are here and wait, that, wait a minute where are they going <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other thing astonishingly like all my kids who yeah. live here work here yeah they're here. Yeah. And boy, uh, are you yeah. ever lucky in that yeah. respect? Yeah, exactly. yeah. So many way. people, their kids have gone. Almost right? nobody I know, yeah. like my brothers, like sister, none of them have kids still here. Uh, friends, all of them have moved away. A very, very few people that I know have kids still around, but they they love it. They went to French schools, immersion, and all the rest. They've fit in very well. Their lives have not been affected per se because they adapt and they work and. Uh, they're at home. I mean, it's, it's nice. It's very gratifying. I mean, your kids as well to have them around. Yeah. Well, the two oldest ones, one lives in France now, and Sam is in Toronto, oh. and he's he's got an internship at Elevation Pictures. Oh, so Elevation hopefully Pictures. you'll be interviewing him within the next five to ten <laughs> Elevation years. Elevation Pictures does some good stuff. Yeah, yeah they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's, he's actually he's a tenant of one of the co-owners of Elevation Pictures, Noah Siegel. You know, no, or know of Noah Siegel? I, I've heard the name. Yeah. And, yeah. Sam, and he's, he's married to a friend, a childhood friend of Sam's mom. So Sam lives in their basement, and now he's an intern at the company. And one day, I'm hoping he'll, he'll, support be, a, you. he'll be a movie, a movie mogul, mogul who, what did Thumbs Repaw used to say, who will keep me in the lifestyle? In the, uh, to which I hope to become accustomed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> True. God bless Thumbs, wherever you are. Yeah. Thumbs Repaw yeah. was a legendary... Yes, Radio producer. Yes, he were. Um, <laughs> in the days of George Balkan, and and then I inherited him when I went to CJD. Um, we have to uh, thank a couple of more supporters of the uh, podcast before we're done today. And uh, much to our surprise and delight, 
um, Voswin are with us once again. Who are Voswin? Voswin are a company that will help you if you have an invention over there, Einstein. Uh, no, not Einstein, Edison. Yeah. Right. Um, it's a, it's a, a, an odd way to open our a tribute uh, to Sean and the people at Voswin. But when Sean called us and said, we like the podcast over at Voswin, and we said, what does Voswin do? And he said, well, we help inventors. And then I said, are you sure you, are you, sure you want to be involved with us? <laughs> and apparently um, it worked. It did. They've gotten inquiries from people who listen to the podcast. We have inventors and innovators listening to the podcast, and they've uh, uh, they've uh, asked Voswin if they can uh, if they can help them out. Voswin call themselves a t- uh, selves a technology strategy company, and if you do have an idea for an invention or innovation, they can take you from the very beginning of the process to the very end. As Terry says, they'll take the idea from in your head and put it in your hands through the uh, product development process and on to the CTO style service, chief technology officer, don't you know, uh, they'll, uh, they'll get it to market for you or they'll show you how to get it to market. So if you have anything that requires an engineering component, mechanical, electrical, industrial engineering and design, they also do software development, Voswin can help you. Voswin.com, that's V-O-Z, WIN.com. And thanks again, Sean Smith, uh, owner and uh, founder of Voswin, for putting your uh, faith and trust in us. We appreciate it. And we'd like to take a moment to extend our sympathies to the folks at Merson Automotive who are saddened by the demise of the Bavarian money pit. That's right. My um, BMW has, uh, has BMW gone to the great junkyard in the sky, Bill. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that means I don't have to take it down to Merson every second week anymore <laughs> to get some sort of outrageous repair they, done they, to it. They, Val answered the phone there with, you know, what is it now? Yeah, what happened now? Yeah, what happened now? Well, it's all done. The engine seized and the car's all done. So now... I have to get something new, and I will take uh, any potential vehicles to Merson for a pre-purchase inspection. One of the many services the Mersons offer, tires are their specialty and have been since we've known them, eh, Tara? It's oh, always yeah. been. Yeah. That's when it gets really busy at Merson yeah. is during the spring and the fall, the tire change season, which means now is a good time of the year to go and get any maintenance or repairs that you might need done, and, of course, to get tuned up and inspected if you're going on a summer holiday. Merson have something called the uh, don't get eaten by a bear guarantee. <laughs> Actually, they don't. I made that up. Uh, but they'll fix your car up so that you don't break down in the middle of nowhere and get eaten by, by a bear. bear. Yep. I've tried to convince them to uh, to offer that guarantee, and they've said to me, that's your worst idea since you recommended corn tires. But I always thought tires made of corn would be a good winter tire because with the niblets, you'd get some good grip, wouldn't you think? Call Sean at Voswin. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure Merson appreciate that plug. Yeah. Mersonauto.com. And uh, they're also, uh, they're also uh, act- actually, they also physically exist as <laughs> yes. well as online. Yeah. You can find them on Saint-Jacques, just west of Cavendish. One of the services that I miss that they offer is storing your winter and summer tires. You don't have to schlep tires back and forth. Ask them about that. Bill Brownstein has uh, been our uh, wonderful guest. Bill, we, we've kept you too long. I hope we haven't kept your son waiting too long. Oh, he's downstairs. Okay. And <laughs> I, I, I want to thank you because um, we had a nice friendship that grew out of you know, I I don't I can't remember the first time you interviewed me. But oh, it's got to be back in yeah, the early show days. Yeah, a long time ago, yeah. and and uh, and, then, and you and were then very we had a shared love of a certain alcohol. Yes, we we were quite fond of a good vodka. Yes. Oh, which one? Um, Are we allowed to say? Yeah, that? I think we're so. We're not advertising. No, here. they're not, and they would never. But uh, yeah. we were we were a couple of goose guzzlers. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we loved Grey Goose, and often the interview would be conducted at uh, my favorite booth at Ziggy's and, over a Grey Goose. And Grace. often we would forget what we were talking yeah. about. <laughs> yeah. no. They were great. Fun. And I'll bet when you were on Bill's podcast earlier on the day that we're recording this, I'll bet when he sat down, you guys who hadn't seen each other in however many months, if not years, I'll bet you picked up. Like you saw each other Absolutely. last night, yeah. didn't you? Well, we've been in touch, though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's the sign of true friendship. Yeah, when you is. don't yeah. see somebody yeah. for a while, yeah. and you sit down and you pick up well, like you saw you, them yesterday. It's one of the great things. And you, you've been so supportive and kind to me over you know periods of time. Like when I was 
shitting my pants daily when I followed George Balkan. I thought that was an unwinnable <laughs> job to take on. I think and you, you were very good, supportive. Yeah, but Thank you know you. what? That your vo- George loved the idea yeah. of having you follow him, yeah. a voice that the city knew. And uh, there was a wisdom there. He had a lot of input into he did. who would take over once he was gone. Well, and he you thought know, you would, uh, like as a Montrealer, would yeah. w- would have been perfect. And you know what? Without his blessing, I would have never got no, out, off the that. ground. But it wasn't like uh, haphazard. That no. It was very well thought out. And you, re- you wrote a really beautiful column when I got out of the hospital. That was very kind yeah. because... Uh, I, I thankfully, you spared me from having to write another one, which yes. would have been yeah, a yeah. lot sadder. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Bill God Brownstein. you're still here. Thank you, Bill. Uh, Bill, Bill Brownstein's been Bill, our special guest. Thanks for coming. Uh, Pleasure. You, you can read Bill in the Montreal Gazette. Uh, Gazette. The Montreal Gazette. The Gazette. Um, you can also watch him on the Corner Booth podcast, which is on the Gazette platform. And, um, well, you used to be able to watch him on Gripes, but... Um, they, uh, now we're doing our own. Thing. Now they do their own thing. So, uh, merci beaucoup, Bill. De rien. Standing by the Terry and Ted podcast has been brought to you by the UPS Store Canada, delivering more for small businesses in Canada.